When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ladies and gentlemen, it is showtime. Please welcome the team of the Fulhamish Podcast. It's the Fulhamish Podcast, your independent voice of Fulham FC. My name's Sammy James. Welcome to the show. Today, we're going to be looking ahead to Luton Town on Saturday. Surely this one has to be three points. It's about as close to a must win as you can possibly get. We'll also look back at a busy international break for some of Fulham's players and we'll answer a load of your questions at the end. I'm joined by Jack Collins. Hello. Hello, Sammy. Hello, listeners. How are we doing? Good, thank you. And he's back, Dean Jones. Hello. Hello, mate. Thanks for having me back. A pleasure. Um, Dean, before we start... um, We've done the transfer window a little bit to death on the podcast, but you are our transfer guru and we haven't had you on since the transfer window ended. So a couple of minutes to share your thoughts on the way that Fulham are going transfer wise. It's It was not the transfer deadline day that any of us wanted. It wasn't the five signings that Marco wanted and we very nearly lost Jao Polina. Um, yeah. So... I don't know. I don't know if disaster is the right word because it wasn't a disaster, but it certainly could have been a lot better. Uh, that's it. I mean, it's just disappointing more than anything. I mean, on the on the deadline day itself, I was told I spoke to someone who was like in the building, and I was like, "What do you reckon? Like, what can I at least anticipate?" It's like four. Like, if you get your hopes up for four, I don't think you'll be too let down from that. And obviously, mm. I was still well let down <laughs> by the end. I mean, obviously, one of those would have been replacing Palinia anyway. So I'd rather keep Palinia. So I don't mind that one dropping by. But it's just the striker situation, isn't it? Like, have we left ourselves too short uh, in that position? It was funny. Like, throughout the day, I was, I was getting a, quite a few random messages um, about about potential signings like Dewsbury Hall and players like that. That, that one cropped mm. up a couple of times and didn't come through uh, or come to anything. But yeah, there was just a bit of um, it, an anticlimax, I would say, uh, deadline day. Um, just, I'm just not sure we've got enough uh, as it stands to, to get over. Like, I like Alex Awobi. I think that is a good signing, but we knew that was coming. Like that wasn't really a deadline yeah. day deal, was it? Um, so yeah, I'd say just disappointing really much. And from, you know, you're a transfer journalist and so you're privy to a lot of the kind of tittle tattle that happens, um, across that world. And so much of the summer, I felt like we were discussing Hudson-Odoi loads and it it almost to the point where we were like profiling him on this podcast. We did the same with Damari Gray. I remember, so many of these signings and just none of them actually came to fruition in the end. Was it all bullshit or was there actually no. real interest? And in, Cause it was interesting. Now it seems to come out afterwards that our oh, silver was never interested in these players anyway, or that, Oh, he's absolutely fine starting the heat season with Raul Jimenez. And you're like, well, was there a story there in the first place? There was definitely a story there in the first place. And, and Gray and Hudson Adoy, like I was told umpteen times, like one of them will go to Forest, one of them will go to Fulham. That's how that will pan out. And I mean, it didn't pan out like that. <laughs> but um, it, was, it was constant. And they were both basically looked at as much of a muchness. And that's wild, by the way, that they were looked at as much of a muchness. Those are two very different <laughs> players. And one of them it's has weird, a far higher it? ceiling than the other. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I think in terms of like what they're capable of, like Hudson Adoy definitely seems more appealing. But I think there are other downsides to Hudson Adoy that 
put Fulham off a little bit. Um, I don't think they were a hundred percent sold on. I don't want to slander the player, but like it's got to be the right character and it's got to be the right fit for what we're looking for. You got to have the right motivation, the right the right uh, head, I guess, for where we are exactly right now and where we want to get to. And you and and I don't think necessarily that Hudson or exactly fitted that in the end anyway. So. Um, I'm not that disappointed that we didn't get either of them. I think mm. I'm, I'm kind of, in terms of the attacking situations, apart from the fact that like, it's Jimenez or Bust, I don't mind the wide options. Like I, I, I think I feel okay in the wide options, and like I know we're going to look ahead to Luton today and, and stuff, but like, I feel actually this is a game when we'll see, we'll find that out for sure because I feel like your fullbacks and your wide players are actually probably the most important players in a match against against Luton because they are there to be got at in those wide areas. And we should use um, what we've got here to exploit those weaknesses. So I'm really looking forward to this weekend to get a proper gauge actually on where Fulham are going to be this season. Jack, I've been given a little bit of inside info and look, whether it's true or not, it is kind of not really there. And this is similar to what Peter reported in The Athletic last week about Marco being happy with the three strikers that he's got in Jimenez and then Vinicius and then Muniz as well. Can you believe that's true? Because I just can't. I just cannot believe that Marco Silva is there and he actively said, no, I don't want another striker. I'm really happy with a striker that hasn't scored since 2022. Someone that didn't cut it on loan at Middlesbrough last year and someone who was just about okay last year. Yeah, I, I mean, I, the only problem with the that story for me is the fact that Marco Silva seems to not want to play Carlos Vinicius at all. So that therefore wouldn't add up because the fact that Muniz has come back in and look, he was a silver signing. So it is worth putting that into context, right? That Marco pushed to sign Rodrigo Muniz. And so him giving him another opportunity at the start of this season is not necessarily the weirdest thing in the world, but I do think it probably shines a light on the relationship with Carlos Vinicius and and what's going on there because that all doesn't feel perfectly reasonable from a perspective of Carlos Vinicius not getting off the bench in the Carabao Cup game against Tottenham. The fact that he really hasn't, we haven't seen very much of him throughout this campaign so far. All of those things, I'm a little bit mm, questionable, you know, questionable, doubtful is probably how I would put myself on, on some of those things. So he might be trying to make the best of the situation. I, I have no doubt that Fulham attempted to sign other strikers. I just don't know what the, you know, the links looked like, who those players were. You know, as I said throughout the summer, that have been told information that Fulham have been trying to sign players who have gone and signed for Champions League teams. But, you know, I put the <laughs> mockers on it last week. It wasn't just those players. You know, the, the players that moved this season to mid-table Serie A clubs, uh, players that moved to other mid-table Premier League clubs. If Fulham had the right profiles in there, then I think that there would have been some semblance in in trying to make those things work. So I I don't buy all of it. Um, I I do buy that there are some elements that Marcus Silva has put his foot down on because I, you know, as we mentioned, didn't see the need for another left back considering Calvin Bassey can play there. And the fact that Fulham had two deal sheets in at the end of the window, one of them was for a left back, baffles me in many, many ways because I, I just don't see quite why there was the need to do that, but, you know, and especially with Castagna being able to play both sides, but that's clearly what Silver wants. He's clearly pretty key on dialing in on his fullbacks. They've been a massive part of his system. And so if that's what he needs, then I can understand why the club have, have followed his wishes on that. But there still seems to me a couple of gaping holes. And I just can't see if Carlos Vinicius is not reintegrated into this squad. And it looks like he's going to be now considering that the Saudi Arabia transfer window is closed. The Turkish transfer window is closing. The, the the options to leave are are limited. With all that said, I wonder what happens now. And watching what goes on with Carlos Vinicius in the next couple of games, I think he's going to be key to understanding quite what Marco Silva's thinking. And uh, Dean, the positive news is that Jao Polinia has changed his profile picture on Instagram back to him in a Fulham shirt. So look, if that isn't the biggest news of the international break, I don't know what is. He loves the club and he signed an extension, I take that to mean. 
<laughs> oh, I wish, I wish. Um, yeah, I'm trying to not like read into the stuff that um, his brother, who's representing him, has been saying and stuff. I'm, I'm just trying to like put that on mute for now. He's they obviously very frustrated. Palinia himself isn't going to come out with any words. His brother, like I, I can imagine, like what they've been through as like a a family and, and stuff like that um, on deadline day, actually going through the motions of literally having their pictures taken and doing the interviews. And then for them just being like, no, sorry, you got to come back. Um, yeah. But he got to, he got to look forward now. If he actually does even want to get back to buy Munich in January or at the end of the season, then his form's still got to stay up there and he's got to stay fit. And, I think, honestly, like he's the sort of character that we've seen. Like, you're not going to get half a shift out of yeah. Palinia. If he's in, he's fully in. I'm, I'm yeah. not worried about this. And also, a place in the Portugal starting lineup at Euro 2024, very much on the line as well. And that is, well, he's, he's not even sure. I don't, I don't wouldn't say he's even first choice at the moment. That brings us nicely onto the international break, Jack. Mm. Um, how did uh, Zhao get on for Portugal? I know you watched uh, a lot of that Luxembourg game, which was 9-0, but sadly no Polinia in that match. No, but it was hardly a, a bad start for any other game as well. So they, they won 1-0 against Slovakia, who were the team second in their group. Uh, Marit Rodak was on the bench for the opposition, but Polinia was good, I thought. He was throwing himself about. He, he isn't cr- that creative in his Portugal side, and it was nowhere near the kind of fluidity that we saw from Portugal in their other game against Luxembourg. But I thought that he put in a really good shift. He, you know, put himself about the, the exact thing you expect to see from Joao Polinia. And therefore, you know, you, you look at that and think, well, if he's played that, and the fact that he didn't play in the Luxembourg game might just be good news for Fulham in terms of him coming back to the yeah. side fully rested without necessarily needing. They switched shape. So they played with about three in the game against Slovakia. They played with about four in the game against Luxembourg. And I think that they will go with that back four going forwards, which probably adds another little spot in there because they will want a kind of defensive midfielder. It was Danilo Pereira here, but he is coming to the end of his career. I think Polina will be able to target that sixth spot. And and I'm with Dean on that. I think that the way he plays, he doesn't really know anything but full throttle. Remember that, you know, booking he got, the completely unnecessary one. Um, from, from when we when we looked at he got banned for was it the Brentford game away and he'd got complete unnecessary booking in the game before against Wolves in the 80th minute when we were comfortable and you're like yeah. what are you doing and so <laughs> I think the, the way that he operates on a football field doesn't really allow him not to play with the throttle on and so therefore I have no real concerns about what it looks like for him coming back to the club He's like a Formula One car. They, they're great at driving 200 miles an hour, but you try and drive one at 60 and it ain't that easy. Um, and I think that's similar for Xiao Polina, isn't it? Um, Jack, uh, Raul Jimenez uh, bagged a couple of goals uh, for Mexico. Yeah. Um, not a very good set of performances, though, from Mexico. A three-all draw against Uzbekistan um, for a side of Mexico's calibre is not a result that probably should be happening. But let's take this from a Fulham perspective. I'm just happy to see Raul knocking in goals because it, that feels like the biggest thing that he needs right now is to get that monkey off his back that everyone keeps bringing up, that he hasn't scored a goal for a year or so. And, and that's clearly on his mind, you feel like. Although it doesn't seem to be on his mind because he's trying bicycle kicks every yeah, day. Yeah, I don't so think it's that on his mind. He must be there somewhere. You should stop bringing it up. You brought it up about 10 minutes ago. Um, it was, yeah, it, it was, he was really good. I like Raul for what it's worth. <laughs> <laughs> um, he was he was really good. The the first, the two goals in the Uzbekistan game, really impressive, actually. Um, he sort of hit a really good low shot first time against, across the keeper. Um, which was his first goal. Um, and then the the second goal is a really nice little chip over the keeper, a little dink. Um, so it was, it was nice to see him just having those kind of instinctive predatory finishes. And I think that that's something that maybe we can we can look to now. We've seen bits of it. You know, we saw the, the swiveling strike against Everton that came off the post, the bicycle kick against Arsenal that was actually not very far away. Those are the kind of things that I don't mind seeing from a striker because it shows you they haven't lost their their flair for it. He scored a penalty in the game against Australia as well, the the two all draw, where he came came on and, and and halved the deficit and then they they got pull one back late on. So it was yeah a good break for our or a bad break for Mexico. Um, I don't think drawing with Australia is anything to worry about too much. But Uzbekistan are 
<laughs> this sounds ridiculous. A better talent inside than people give them credit for. They outgunned the US, <laughs> even though that they they lost that game. They were the better side for the majority of it. You know when a side wins three 0 and their goalkeeper's man of the match, that perhaps the result doesn't tell the full story <laughs> of the game. Yeah. Um, and then you know they've they've gone on here and took a big lead uh, against Mexico and and Mexico managed to pull it back. So yeah, Raúl playing really nicely, I thought uh, in, in this game, despite the fact that the rest of his Teammates seem to pretty much let him down. Uh, Mexico can't defend for well for love nor money. Well, at least that's uh, not Raúl at fault. No, if, uh, yeah. if they can't if they can't defend, and I just want to put on the record, I like Raúl Jiménez. It sounds like an attack from me, but oh, it's really, really it's not. Funny, also, I, I can't remember which game it was. One of the last two games, um, the commentator described Jiménez as a man with no confidence. I was like, I couldn't agree with that any less. Actually, who tries <laughs> Rabonas and overhead kicks at a time when they haven't scored for over a year? He's got loads of confidence. It's just not come off for him yet. And I feel like when it does hit the net, this guy is just going to fly. Like I've, I am actually like hopeful that Jimenez is about to turn a corner yeah exactly exactly and also like no, the, the goal that Tim Ream scored was all Jimenez mm-hmm. really wasn't it as as much as um it was the if that doesn't win goal of the month by the way Tim Ream that that is a that is a travesty I'm hoping at least like maybe the Fulham fans could club together and make it September goal of the month <laughs> just for just for lols just so Ream once in his life gets a goal of the month award uh, for He's the so worst good. goal ever so scored good. basically although not the worst goal ever scored I still think Kevin McDonald against Barnsley yeah. will always um will always have that award on his mantelpiece <laughs> the best worst goal you've ever seen um uh dean uh, harry wilson i thought got a really smart assist uh for wales in the game uh, against latvia obviously it was a lovely moment because it's david brooks that scored that goal and we know what david brooks has been through with his hodgkin's lymphoma but i actually thought it was really really well worked from harry wilson from the touchline all the way, right weight of pass. And, and almost the commentator afterwards, you'd have thought it was Wilson that scored the goal the way he went on about it. Um, so yeah, uh, good to see Harry Wilson um, delivering. And now what's quite an interesting time for him, I feel like with Wales, because, you know, some of those more senior players are on are on their way out. Bale's left, Aaron Ramsey's still knocking about. Um, but w- Wilson's now one of the most like senior members of that squad. So it feels yeah. like a lot's kind of riding on on him and, and the likes of Brennan Johnson to kind of carry Wells through to the next generation. Yeah, it is exactly that, isn't it? He's becoming one of the important players in that squad now. And um, he needed the confidence of that, that match and to, to keep building. I, d- I still don't feel like... We haven't seen the best of Harry Wilson yet since we've um, been promoted, really. But there's so much there to still unlock in him. And um, that's, a, that's a really big moment. He's just got to make sure that he, he manages to stay in our team now that there's extra competition. I feel like it might be a good thing for him, though. Like I feel like players like Harry Wilson always need to be kept on their toes to know that their spot isn't safe. But he's one of my favourite Fulham players. Like Technically, I think he's one of our best players. And yeah, being in that Wales squad is going to be really key to the next stage of his career because I think he'll enjoy the responsibility of that and then taking it back onto the club soon. Um, Jack, uh, Bobby Decadover-Reed scored a penalty for Jamaica against Haiti. And um, a great argument for the... BDR on pens arguments, although I think he's going to have to wrestle that ball off Andreas Pereira, but I'm still I've been convinced for years. Yeah, I've been convinced for years that BDR is the answer from the spot. Yeah, well, he was the answer for the spot here. He, um, yeah, he, he leveled the game, seven minutes to play. Uh, Jamaica were in all sorts of trouble. They were 2 0 down to 80 after about 20 minutes, um, but they got an own goal in the second half and then uh, Decadover scored sort of 80, 34th minute. Um, it was yeah a very cool, calm, collected penalty in a pretty high pressure game, actually. You know, we, we're looking at these CONCACAF qualifications, Nations League things, and actually for the next World Cup, there are going to be obviously far more spaces coming through there because Mexico, Canada and the US are joint hosts. So it does open up the the rest of that pool for qualification for a couple more nations. And Jamaica will look at their team and think that they should be definitely in that conversation. So I think that just keeping them ticking at this point ahead of that 2026 World Cup feels like a, a really big moment. So yeah, I was, I was glad that Bobby managed to just get his head down and stick it away. It was, it, it was a big, big moment. 
Bobby Deckard over Reed at the World Cup. If they do that, I, I vow now to go to every Jamaica game in that World Cup uh, just, just to follow Bobby Deckard over Reed. I'll, I'll do that. I'll do that for you, Bobby. I'll make that sacrifice. Um, and then, uh, interestingly, you mentioned the USA games, um, Jack. Tim Ream played in his hometown of St. Louis um, on Saturday, I believe yeah. it was, the game against Uzbekistan. America weren't amazing. Bobby, uh, Anthony Robinson played in that game too. But interestingly, both didn't play last night against Oman. They were both unused substitutes. So that, that's almost the perfect scenario, really, from a Fulham point of view, isn't it? Because those games, when they end late, it's Wednesday morning UK time by the time those ones are over. So that's quite good from, from our point yeah, of view. Yeah, it just means that there's just a little bit less minutes in the legs. Um, really nice for Tim Ream to be able to captain the US in his hometown, I thought. A, a real moment. And yeah. there are some brilliant chats around it as well on his podcast. So I, I, I loved seeing that. It felt like a real moment for, for Tim Ream and I was delighted for him. So yeah, um, I think that was basically as, as good as it got, as good as you could have asked for really. Both of them getting 90 minutes in a relatively comfortable win, but one where they were stressed a bit by that Uzbekistan attack. So got some decent competitive minutes in the legs. Um, and then given the night off against Oman, which was far more of a routine victory, uh, I thought, for the US. Um, and then also Tim Castagna played twice for Belgium. They won against yes. Azerbaijan. He kept a clean sheet, won 90 minutes, and kept another one um, against Estonia. Um, played sort of 60 minutes off for that. He played it right back as well. Obviously, we've seen... Belgium use mostly a back five. They changed it a little bit. It's not completely different to what we used to see, but Arteteat's play is sort of playing in this kind of hybrid left back, left centre back role, um, which allows them to to play with a more flat four in when they when they have the ball and they had the ball a lot in, in this game. So actually seeing him just play in a more natural right back position instead of that right white wing back role, I thought was probably just something that Marcus Silva might have had an eye on. Yeah. Uh, we should mention also this tweet uh, when we're talking about Castagna that I really liked from uh, Alessandro Schiavone, who is the social media reporter for AC Milan, but he must have been um, at the uh, the Belgium game. He said, a positive performance by Fulham new boy Timothy Castagna, whose well-timed tackle high up the pitch led to Romelu Lukaku's second and Belgium's fourth here in Brussels. Assured defensively, intelligent runs and ingenuity when he has the ball. I can see the former Foxes man giving Kenny Tete a run for his money in that right back position at Craven Cottage. That's a big ask. Dean? That's a big say. ask. Yeah, I, I find this competition that we've, we've just built here very strange. And I was convinced when we signed Castagne that it might, would mean that Tete was about to leave. But, yeah, it um, might be a long, it might be a long-term uh, thought considering the interest in Kenny Tete. I was say, yeah, summer. maybe, yeah, we might be plotting that this is Tete's last season. But um, yeah, I'm glad, to be honest, we are at least already preparing for that. And Castagne, if he is going to get games, like he's very dependable. I want Tete to continue 100%, uh, but it's good to know that you've got somebody versatile too in Castagne who can come in on either flank. We talked about Calvin Bassey at the top. I just assume that Calvin Bassey is like primarily now looked at as a centre-back option. Yeah. Um, but I really did want to see him at left back. Like I, I've really, I've, you know, whenever I've looked back at Bassey performances, like you can see when he was deployed on the on the left side, what he could do. But it just looks like he's going to be um, a, a more central option. So yeah, Castagne is is a good, a solid signing. Um, I don't think any of our signings were that sexy, were they? But um, at least it's one that optimism. Whenever he steps in, there's nothing to worry Calvin about. Calvin Bassey played ninety minutes. That was nice. Got ninety minutes for Nigeria against Southam and Principe. So there you go. He, they won 6-0. It was very comfortable. Yeah. Victor Osman got a hat-trick. Um, but yeah, Bessie looked very assured in that game, I thought. Maybe uh, Calvin could put a nice word into uh, Victor. Yeah, I mean, we, sh yeah. we shall see. Any danger. Any danger. Any danger. <laughs> yeah, you know, like, just, you know, do, do They've some got work, a few Calvin. others, to be fair, haven't they, Nigeria? Maybe like, we, we could have a word with like... Gift Orban. That would be useful. That seems, like, fine. I'll definitely take Gift Orban at Fulham. Go on, Calvin. Get to work. Agent, Agent Calvin. Calvin. <laughs> in the in the Super Eagles, just uh, just spreading the good word about... Yeah, it's uh, Nigerian about, striker, about, whoever. It doesn't matter. About Fulham. Um, we should also mention Luke Harris scored his first goal for Wales under-21s. Uh, they won 3-2 over Latvia. So, uh, so big up to Luke. Uh, and that'll do for the International Roundup. We'll take a break there. Afterwards, we'll look ahead to Saturday's game against Luton. 
For the 23-24 season, the Fulhamish Thursday Club is sponsored by Green King Sport, where football is more than a game. Green King Sport venues are showing every televised Fulham fixture over the course of the season. So instead of turning to the internet for a dodgy stream, get your mates together and get down to your local Green King pub and get closer to the action. Now, Green King Sport have just recently launched the Green King Sport Instagram page, which is going to be the home to fan content, deals and competitions throughout the season. Drop them a follow and you won't just be the first to know about all of this. You'll be helping out the Fulhamish podcast too. Part two of the Fulhamish podcast. It is Sammy James here with Jack Collins and Dean Jones. Thank you to everyone that continues to support Fulhamish in the Fulhamish community, finding our pods, articles and videos. If you'd like to get involved, please find the link in our description as a bonus, as a little extra. You'll get access to the Fulhamish Telegram groups where we discuss all things FFC on the daily. Uh, There is a link in the description of this podcast or you can find all the details on the Fulhamish website. Also, a little save the date. We're going to be doing another Fulhamish live show after the Sheffield United game. So if you're around at the Sheffield United game and you haven't come to one of our Fulhamish live shows, we do them straight after at the Half Moon in Putney. And we're going to be doing one after the Sheffield United game. No tickets on sale yet. We just thought we'd get it in your diaries. It's going to be happening. We're going to have a special guest. Uh, We've already got that locked in, actually. We're we're well ahead uh, for once. Uh, So we'll announce that in the next couple of weeks. But uh, put it in your diaries if you'd love to come along, because, yeah, we'd love to have you there. Right, let's look ahead then to Luton on Saturday. And Jack... I wasn't nervous about this a week ago and now I am slightly shitting it because (laughs) this game has the massive potential to basically make it an awful horrendous start but obviously win it and we're looking quite comfortable um I'm just scared I'm scared of the potential ramifications yeah I I think this is it right it's one of those games you're looking at and going Look, I think that Luton's recruitment has been better than maybe people have given them credit for. I actually think they've they've done quite a sensible manoeuvre, if you will, and they've picked up basically a very good championship squad. I think given the clubs ha- had to basically redesign some of the stadium, they're obviously moving to a new stadium. They're looking long term and actually staying up this season whilst would be incredible for them. I don't think is the be all and end all. And I think they've used the the funds they've been allocated, given having to redo the ground at a pretty serious cost and then also looking to build another one. It does feel like they're, they're kind of looking at this and going, OK, what we're going to do here is just settle ourselves so that we can continue to compete at the top end of the ch- championship regular you know next season Um, and i think that to be honest it's it's not it's it's pretty smart the problem with that is that when you do that people start talking about worst records in premier league history etc etc now that might be harsh but that's the viewpoint from most of the league i think and so to be the team that luton would pick up their first point slash points against is not ideal i think and and that's the uncomfortable nature of this game the other thing is that obviously fulham won 7-0 the last time that Luton came to Craven Cottage. And whilst the two teams were very different then, I think anything other than a win would look at real regression for Fulham as much as it would show progression for Luton. And that is a pretty uncomfortable situation to be in, I think, because it doesn't leave much room for manoeuvre apart from, you know, not just even a win, but a comfortable win here, I think, is the kind of thing that you need to be looking at in order to just quell those start of season nerves that have been played out by some of the performances in white shirts so far. Mm. Yeah. Dean, how are you feeling? Honestly, I'm setting myself up for a massive fall because I'm so optimistic and I'm so excited about this game on Saturday. Like for me, it's basically the, the platform for our season. Like until now it's been very hard to, to get that excited about what's to come. Um, obviously Everton on the opening day of the season, I think we were all like just kind of open-minded about how that game would go. And we were all like surprised and happy about how it turned out. But then because of that win, you kind of set yourself up for the Brentford game and, and left massively disappointed. Arsenal, like, great. We got a point out of it that we didn't expect. And then um, the last league game, obviously going to Man City and it turned the way it did on the on the back of the d- big decision. And we get battered 5-1. 
So now I'm kind of like, right, we've had the international break. This is the perfect time for a reset. And the next three games are definitely our level games. So you've got Luton, Palace, and then Norwich in the Cup. And you're like, okay, well, I thought you were going to say Chelsea. I was like, well, fair enough. <laughs> well, they Chelsea are now as well. These days, yeah. Like, I, I would actually extend that. Like, fine, throw Chelsea in there because it's a home game against Chelsea, and Chelsea yeah. are not that good. Um, but Luton, like, honestly, I have watched all of their games so far. They're not good, but they're also not that bad because they're pretty well organised. And if you watched any of their games, you could look at it on face value and just look at, at results and be like, oh, okay, well, they've, they've, they've lost uh, three out of three so far. There's nothing really here that, that we need to be worrying about. Well, their first game, they got beaten 4-1 by Brighton, but it took until the 71st minute for Brighton to get their second goal. And until that point, they were they were in the game. And then even against Chelsea, like, honestly, I was thinking Chelsea are going to go and beat Luton 5-0. But again, it wasn't until the last 20 minutes that Chelsea actually took control of the game and Luton had had chances to get back into it. And then against West Ham in their last match, West Ham scored the winner late on. So, honestly, like, I'm going there thinking, right, this is a 2-3-0 Fulham win. But it's getting that second goal that I think is going to be so, so important. And it might even be that we get the early goal and then have to remain patient in hope for that the second goal comes. Because there's a high chance that if Luton do get back in the game, then they're going to sniff this as their massive opportunity for them to actually show that they can survive in this league. So, yeah, I'm definitely setting myself up for a fall. But you have to win games like this if you're Fulham. Yeah, I agree. No, of course. And that's 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 the problem, really, is that, Jack, There's all the pressure is on Fulham. But for Luton, it's like they'll, they'll just be so desperate for that first, I mean, point, to be honest. I mean, they'll come away if they got a point at Craven Cottage and be delighted. And Fulham will be, Fulham fans, we get toxic, even if it's a draw on, on, on Saturday, because you know that it's one of the big opportunities to pick up three points. I don't know. It's one of those, maybe the fact it's come so early in the season. Obviously, look, we win this 2-0. Everyone's going to be just like, few happy days. We got the win that, that you, we should be getting. And look, I look at through this Luton side and I just see like really solid players. It feels like we're playing a team that's maybe in the top three or four of the championship, which if we drew them in the cup, we wouldn't be like, oh, that's a gimme. You know, we're not playing a League One or League Two standard side here. We're playing a very well-organized side that's got good players in there. You know, mm. I like Carlton Morris up front. We know all about Elijah Adebayo from his time uh, at Fulham. Ross Barkley's not the force he was, but he was a good player. Marvellous Nakam is a good signing. So's Chong in the middle. Giles is a good left back who can whip in a great cross. Like there are players to be like worried about here. And this is not like, I don't think they will be Derby 0708 because I just think there ultimately is some quite good players in here and they have a good manager. It's not Paul Jewell in charge. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, kid, you forget that Paul Jewell went into that job with pretty good reputation, but um, yeah, I really like Rob Edwards. I think he's a, a really smart coach. The wingback whisperer, as I've called him in the past, and I know that not the top 20 boys uh, like to use, so a credit to them there. But yeah, Ryan Giles, just a, a really smart signing, I think, for, for Rob Edwards. And yeah, you, you make that point. That said, you know, can you see Carlton Morris scoring 15 plus goals in the Premier League? No. You know, there there, there are elements of this. That you go, yes, there's, there's danger in those players. But equally, you're not expecting any of them to come out of the season in, in the team of the year. And when you're kind of looking at these kind of games, I think what, what might be interesting here is that if Fulham don't win this game, as you say, it's not just pressure on Fulham because Luton will look at this and think, right, if we're going to stay up in this league, these are the games we need to get something out of. You know, it's not the the games against Chelsea at the bridge that they need to win. They'll look at what Fulham did last season and think you've got to beat the teams around you. And anything but a Fulham win here, I think puts a, a harbinger out or, or puts a beacon out that Fulham are going to be in the relegation mire. Now, that doesn't mean that we're going to get relegated, but it would suggest that we are not that much better than a team that everybody is expecting to come 20th. And that's a worry, right? So, so that's the kind of overarching concern over all of it. Anything but a win suggests that whilst it might not be terminal, the Fulham are definitely going to be in the mix. And that's the, the big worry for me right now you know, right now looking at this game, because as you say, Sammy, they are well-drilled side, they're well-organized. There was some defensive mishaps, big style in the first two games. I don't think anyone's going to question that. They had the backing of Kenilworth Road 
for the first time again in the West Ham game. So there's different factors at play. But it's a game that if Fulham want to do what we did last year, be out of that relegation mire, make sure that we're head above water and, and stay there by the time it gets to January, th- there's nothing but three points that we'll do here. Mm. Yeah. And Dean, uh, Scorley Woodrow might be back this weekend. Uh, He doesn't play too much, um, but he's played eight minutes so far this season from two sub appearances. Um, He did score actually last time. I think he was at the cottage. Didn't he score in that Barnsley game? Uh, I think think we won 4-1, but I'm fairly sure he scored. So he's got a little bit of a punch on for it. I liked Corley. I know, obviously, he wasn't the required standard, etc. But I liked Corley. Just seemed like a nice guy. Corley I liked him. You know, I'd have had him hang around for a couple more seasons, personally. But I'm not going to say that I fear him coming back to the cottage because that's not true. Um, and equally with Colton Morris, he will. Colton Morris will definitely get a chance or two in this game. But like, I'm backing Burn Leno every day of the week with the, the form that guy's on. Like, I feel like we've got the best shot stopper in, in the Premier League at the moment. Like, he's in. He's as good as I've seen him. So I'm not going to worry about that because I think we will limit their chances. Like ultimately what you see in Luton matches is that they take about 30% of possession. So we're going to have complete control of this game. And it's all about us actually making the most of that. If you watch Luton games too, you notice that the wide players have a lot of joy when you play against them and, and they do leave gaps. So you talk about, Jack talks about them, uh, the managers being the wingback whisperer, but the system that they deploy leaves big gaps and I mean Reese Burke like down that channel I've seen like teams having big joy getting in behind there and it's often what happens is that that's where the the chances are created the ball stick goes to the far post and loads of chances come at the back post for whoever's coming off the other wing so when I began the show talking about this array of attacking options that we've got in the wide areas this is a moment for those guys to really sort of claim a place. Like, I don't know who will get in the nod to start this game, but it's a massive opportunity because genuinely, I think that those two spots across the left and right flanks are, are where we can try and get at Luton and where we will get joy. I really, really don't think that the chances of an upset should be that high here because we are we are superior to them in every area of the pitch. We are. And this is the game in which you have to go and kind of show your superiority. We haven't really had the opportunity this season to go and do that to teams. And I look forward to seeing if we can still do that. And the fact that Palina is still there and I hope comes back in and endears himself quickly to us, back, like snaps someone in a tackle, gets his passes away fast. That's what I want to see early on. I want to hear the crowd singing Palina's name again and just set the tone for us to be like, no, you're not coming to the cottage today and taking anything from this game. Like we are better than you. We are easily a mid-table club and you are going down again. You are, you are not establishing yourself in this division because you are miles off it. That honestly is what I want to see. And kind of what I can see, I th- when England were playing against Scotland this, this, week, um, this midweek, a lot of the talk going into the game was about how Scotland were in good form and how they had good characters and this and that. I was like, but I was looking, I was like, yeah, but look at the players on the pitch. If England actually carry out their game plan, they win that game easily. And that's yeah. how it played out. I mean, obviously Scotland got back into the game and that could happen here, but I don't see this as that different. Like England are like the Premier League team and Scotland are the team that just got promoted from the championship. Hmm. It, it's, it's a similar thing to me. I know we're full of might one... not be as good as England, by the way. I'm, I'm probably pushing it a bit to say we've got a Jude Bellingham and Harry Kane at this stage. We have got Jao Polinia though, and he did, outplay, Declan, he did outplay Declan Rice two weeks ago, so you never know. No, I think I think that's right. And and Jack, I I actually had a bit of optimism in our Telegram chat the other day because there was a bit of a there was a poll put up by uh, lovely Avas, one of our members, who said, you know, what would the result be against uh, Fulham Luton? The only person that said it would be a loss was Jack Kelly, um, as ever, Mister <laughs> Optimistic. Um, but I went on, a, I, I wrote something afterwards, and I said like. Um, I had a, I had a remembering about how basically Fulham are actually really tough to beat. Like we've only lost one game last year by more than one goal when Jao Polinia played, especially when he's in this team, like Fulham are still bloody difficult to get through. And like, we might have forgotten because, you know, in the first four matches, you know, we've lost a 5-1, we've lost a 3-0 and against Everton, it probably could have been 3-0. Mm. But all of those games didn't have Xiao. The one game that he did play properly, really, was the Arsenal yep. game. Mm-hmm. And we were brilliant. We were hard to break down and and we got a great result. Like, we have just 
I sometimes got to remember that like there are still 11 brilliant players and yes, we're minus Mitro and it's sad and it's not quite as good as it was, but like I still back a team with the spine of Bert Leno, whichever centre-backs play really, but Bassi, Dior, Reem, etc. Polina in the middle. And if you've got someone like Pereira in the 10, I still, and, and you've got the wing backs that we know that we have, I still back this team to get so many results this season. I'm worried about us in the long term. I'm, I have no idea what this squad's going to look like in 12 months, who's going to be our coach, etc. But in the short term, the game's coming up. There's, there's still no actual, like, factual reason to think that Fulham are going to drop off massively because the squad is mostly the same minus the striker. Yeah, no, I, I think that's completely fair. Yeah, it's exactly that. It's it's really you know important to remember yeah. that there's also had two weeks now with the manager and the players who haven't been on that international break. Maybe we get the Willian that we saw last season back. We haven't seen much of what Willian can do this this season. Obviously, the summer was a bit of a strange one, but he's had that time now with Silver to reingratiate himself. We'll have seen him work with some of the players who stayed around. I'm convinced that if this goes right. This is an opportunity at the very least for Fulham to reassert their control on the situation and for Silva to reassert his control on the situation and go, hang on. Yes, it's been a turbulent summer. We're still here. And these platforms and this next run of games is exactly what you want to be able to kind of achieve that kind of thing. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm just going to say, like, uh, we should also remember, like, the two um, defeats that we've had so far, like, p- totally influenced by red cards. And and that's completely out of our control. And t- to be honest, in my eyes, both were quite, quite unfair. But um, it's, it's just not a fair reflection. You look back at a 3-0 defeat to Brentford, a, a giveaway goal to put us 1-0 down. And then the game turns on on the red and the penalty that followed. Like that was not a three 0 I'm not saying we definitely deserve to win it, but Brentford weren't that good that day, and I wasn't that scared of them. And I can't see Luton being any better than Brentford were that day. And then equally, we go to Man City, and we were in the game, and you know things got away from us, five one, whatever. It's Man City. Let, let's not worry about that one. I just think that you look back and like you look at the positives and the fact that. We went and eventually beat Tottenham. We went to Emirates and we got a point that no one expected. We went to Everton and were outplayed, but ultimately our chance came and we took it. There are, I think, more positives and negatives to take from our performances so far. Yeah, no, I I fully agree. And it's just interesting sometimes how, you know, a bad transfer window can cloud your judgment or whatever. Mm. But like the smart money is still not on Fulham to go down. Now there's every chance. And like, I am worried about the future. Don't get me wrong. And I think it's right for us to be and not to just overlook it and think, oh, we're going to beat Luton. So there's no problems here. There are. (laughs) Don't get me wrong. Like uh, there are. But also like in the near... In the short term, I think things are mostly all right. All right, we're going to take another break there. Afterwards, we'll get into some of your questions. Part three of the Fulhamish podcast. Sammy here with Jack and Dean. Just time for some of your questions. We're dropping this will catch on, by the way, for a few weeks. It'll come back. It'll, it'll just be a few weeks. It'll catch just back having on. A little, it'll catch back on. It, it'll catch back on. It's caught back on. It's caught off for a couple of weeks, but it'll catch back on in time. Still feel free to send them through. I'm still collating them and saving them. Hello at fulhamish.co.uk. You've got a great chant. Um, it's just taken a little hiatus for a few weeks. Uh, but let's go through some of the emails. And uh, I, I want to start with this one for for. Tom, uh, from Tom. I really almost don't want to read it, but um, I will. He said, hi lads, not a question or anything. Just wanted to say on the most recent podcast dropped today, Jack Collins was absolutely bang on with everything he said. Best take on all this shit I've heard so far. Take a bow. Is there any way we can make him the director of football? Jack, would you take the job? That'd be a lot of pressure um, as, as a first job, <laughs> you know, in like full time in the sport. I think it would be, it would be a stress. Not even in sport, mate. That might be your first ever job. I've never known you ever got a job before. Here he is. <laughs> Here is the et- the eternal freelancer strikes again. Um, it's, obviously, it would be an honour, um, but I, I think that you would. I would like to work within the department. I think to take on the full time role would be a bit much. Yeah, maybe we start you at a lower league club or something. Can you loan me out? Can they like bring me in and loan me out somewhere for a while? Like, just fire me off to like I don't know. Go to Exeter. No, I mean, can I go somewhere sunny for a bit? Reckon send me off to Portugal for a while. Get me, get me comfortable. I'm going to work at I don't know. Victoria, find the new Palinia for us. I take a scouting role. Can I have a scouting role? Just like doing some data analysis. Uh, That that I'd like. 
get yeah. you through. Those jobs are like stupidly competitive though, aren't they? Like I, I know a few people kind of yeah. in that field and trying to get like a job in that world is actually also, yeah. mad tough. And you have to and do a lot of free work. It's not a free work. Like you, you'll basically start off working for free to prove yourself. And then you start earning after that. It sounds like a lot of the time, like, yeah, good luck, Jack. Mm. Yeah. Maybe I'll stick to podcasting. Uh, this one from... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah lucrative this. Yeah, another industry where you earn no money. Um, this one from Rishav Verma. I'll go to you on this one, Dean. He says, Hi, gents. Rishav here. Still trying to work on improving the inc- recording quality of my Andreas. This will catch on. Yes. Um, that was one of the best ones from. I think, I think Rishav made our top. 10 if i'm not mistaken jack with his andreas this will catch on um i believe we can still sign a free agent until the registration window shuts i took the liberty of pursuing the free agents market and sadly it's slim pickings here's what i found he said musa morega alfredo morelos andre gray stefan jovetic simone zaza isn't that the one that did the famous penalty Mm -hmm. uh for italy where he um, did the run-up and blasted it over and connor wickham Colin um, Wickham, blimey. Anyone anyone taking your fancy there, Dean? I mean, Morelos, Morelos is a good striker. Is probably stands out as what I want. So I'll the be, club that have had three red cards and- so far, what we should do is sign the most volatile footballer in the entire world. I don't think so. We want a Mitro replacement, mate. Then this might be the path to go down. Find someone, find someone that gets rattled, uh, but can also score. Maybe the only man, uh, the only man who, the moves, post, who, so. who moves less than Alexander Mitrovic on the football pitch. Yeah, that, this is the style of striker that we wanted. Like, he's, he's the only one there that slightly fits what I would want from, from a Fulham striker. But yeah, the free agent market is ending soon. See, like, you'll see, like, Jesse Lingard right now is training with West Ham again, trying to, like, earn a deal uh, this week. Um, I think it can actually run a little longer. I can't remember the exact permutation that it has to be. Um, it's like if you don't quite register your full allocation of players or something, you can still add a, another player later or something like that. Um, but yeah, go on, Jack, who, do you, who are you thinking? Well, I'm afraid that Musa Morega is no longer on the free agent market because he signed with Sharjah uh, in the United Arab Emirates. But genuinely, I would have had a look. I don't know what his fitness is like these days. I mean, he scored for Al-Halal in the Club World Cup final uh, about nine months ago against Real Madrid. He had a really good spell at Porto where he was, you know, I thought one of the better strikers that was underrated in Europe. He's obviously 32 years old, but he had a really good record for Porto. I really liked him. If he would had been available and we hadn't major concerns about his fitness, definitely would have been a player I would have had a look at because I think that it would have brought that experience um, of playing, but also the physicality um, and a really good scoring record with him. Uh, I think he would have been an interesting one, but alas, here it is. This one from William Clement said, hi guys, love the pod and finally thought I'd drop an email. It's currently late at night. We've just been battered by City as well as being cheated by the officials. Uh, And on top of that, we had a particularly poor window and an underwhelming deadline day. And I still think there are huge gaps in the squad. It's okay, William, it'll all get better. Um, As you imagine, I'm not feeling good. There's also theories that the Khans are looking to sell uh, and they're doing the rounds. I wondered if you thought there's any substance to that. And if they did hypothetically, how would you feel about it? Um, Dean, I'll go to you on this one. I mean, the conjecture that the Khans are going to sell is just that conjecture. There is absolutely no evidence out there that they are. I remember saying on last week's pod that I don't feel like they'll sell until the Riverside's done because why would you finish a project? Why would you sell before the project's done? And I still think they they see that as their legacy. And I can't imagine they'd go like, oh, no, we're just going to let someone else take the glory for this brand new stand in a year's time. Um, But yeah, interested to know your thoughts because a lot of people have talked about it yeah I mean I just don't see it, it happening anytime soon and I mean I think that there are plenty of Fulham fans um, that would be very happy to see this and that we move on to other ownership you always have to be careful about what you wish for because while you might not especially like the cons and the way they go about things all the time it could definitely be worse like I'm not saying things are perfect but it could be worse than this um, so you have to be careful about that also like what is this the right time to even sell Fulham probably not I don't I don't I've never got the indication recently that that this is close to happening and while I've definitely got 
some skepticism about some decisions that are made. And for example, the, the transfer windows that's just passed, I'm not, I'm obviously not happy about it. I don't necessarily feel ready for something to, to come about. And I don't think the ownership necessarily pay any attention to whether you like them or not. Like I, I feel if you look at Man United and the whole thing that they've been going through with the takeover and the glazers and the protests and everything else, I don't feel like that has swayed the Glazers at all. And they've just been like, no, nope, not the right time to sell. Uh, we briefly looked at it. We're not doing it. And I think that ultimately these are business decisions more than they end up being football decisions. And from a business point of view, I think there's more for them to get out of Fulham. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think it will happen. They're not going to own Fulham forever. No. Um, Interesting to note that, you know, when we talked about Al Fired in the last episode, go listen, by the way, a really, really good interview with Tony Banks on that. Um, 16 years was how long it lasted. And like, look, maybe we're coming to kind of like the latter years of the Khan ownership, if that's anything to go by. Uh, just finally, brilliant email. I wanted to read this from Luke Harvey. He says, Dear the Fulhamish team, I remember being excited after hearing about Fulham podcast released many years ago, and I've been listening ever since been amazing to see uh, Fulhamish grow into what it's become. Anyhow, synced almost perfectly with the start of last season, I was diagnosed with leukemia and spent the vast majority of the season in hospital. Fortunately, everything's gone really well and a mixture of Fulham's excellent results and getting to listen to you talk about them made a tough time a lot more bearable. I've been meaning to thank you for a while, um, but I just wanted to make sure that you're aware of the positive contributions that Fulham and the podcast make to people's lives. He says he's looking forward to future pods and maybe he'll one day get a three-word review read out. Many thanks and come on you whites from Luke. Um, just incredible. Um, yeah. Luke, delighted to hear that your recovery is, um, has gone really well. I'm assuming that means that kind of out of the woods now and that's just incredible to hear. And I'm, I'm glad that we could be a small um, help in, in your recovery. So uh, yeah, thank you so much. Absolutely. The, the podcast, honestly, I think they, they give people when they go through hard times. I've had this before on our other podcast, like people write in when whatever sort of issues they're going through. And like, I think it's that familiarity of the voices. It's the turning to something that you know is going to be there and help you through whatever it is that you're going through can really help. And like, that's great to hear. Like, I'm really, really happy for him that uh, he's come through the other side. And credit to you, lads, for, for getting this show out there every single week. Uh, cheers, Dean. Jack? Yeah, it's amazing. It's an incredible story. And yeah, just shouts out to Luke and hope everything is still ticking along nicely. And yeah, it's, it's lovely to hear those kind of stories and making those small differences. Get that three word review and you lads have yeah, exactly. to read out his Work next three word review. If you send one out, you man. <laughs> Promise. Luke, send it straight to me. We'll get it read out. All right, that'll do for today's podcast. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, Jack, thank you very yeah, much. Thank you, Sammy. And thank you to Tom Burrows for that really lovely email as well. That really did make me smile. So thank you very much. It's very kind. <laughs> yeah, that's the last nice one I'll read for a while. Dean, thank you very much as well. Cheers, lads. Yeah, enjoy the 3-0 win at the weekend. It's going to be great. Oh, God. He's jinxed it now. <laughs> right, well, we'll be back on Sunday. George is going to be hosting, looking back at the Luton game. And then the Thursday Club will be back this time next week. I think Peter's around, so we should have Peter back, uh, looking ahead to the Palace game. But until then, have a lovely week and come on you whites. You whites! Right.